Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Well, uh, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles uh, this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture today that is a very uh, much debated and also very controversial uh, passage with many different um, positions on this particular passage here. And when looking at this passage, you have to remember the context within which this passage is, is, um, is found, and that is, it is a response of the Lord Jesus Christ in answering the questions of the disciples about when all these things are going to happen. You'll recall that they, they were um, leaving the temple area with all these magnificent buildings, and Jesus mentioned to them that, that not one stone would be left upon another. And so they were confused, and they wanted to know, well, how is all this going to take place, and what's going to be the sign of your coming? And, and, and they really didn't even know what they were asking completely. Because, you see, they, they were under the impression that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom right then and there. So in their minds, they're thinking, well, wait a minute. Uh, the Bible teaches, the, the scripture teaches that the Messiah will rule and reign out of, out of the temple. <laughs> so if, if the temple is going to be destroyed, well then how is that going to be? And so they were confused. And so when you're reading through the Bible, and we mentioned this in Sunday school as well, there is a tendency for people to pull verses out of the Bible and, uh, and apply them and oftentimes erroneously. You have to look at the scripture within the context within it it's written or given. And there are always general truths that are taught all the way through this, the Bible, all the way through there are general spiritual truths that apply. But then there are also specific contexts within which the scripture was written. And so we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 46 here in the 25th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, let's go ahead and, and begin, and then I'll make a few more comments here. Beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray, please. Father in heaven, we ask that you be our teacher, O Lord, as we study your holy word. Speak to our hearts and enable us to understand by thy Holy Spirit. Illuminate our understanding to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus. That we might be prepared, O Lord, as we've read in, in the scripture here the importance of being alert, of being sober-minded, of being watchful, of being prepared. Speak to us now, Lord, out of your holy word, we pray it in Jesus' name, and to his glory. Amen. Now this, this passage I mentioned is, uh, has been misapplied in many, in many um, presentations or interpretations of it. The first point we want to make is, is pointing out that this is the, the glorious return of the Lord Jesus, King Jesus. And we've mentioned before that we are what we refer to in Christendom as pre-tribulationalists. That is, we believe that the church will be taken out of the world prior to the seven-year tribulation period. Now, in some, in some uh, commentaries or even in some study Bibles, depending upon the, the, the theological position of, of the writers, they refer to this as the final judgment. But that is incorrect. Do not, do not mistake this particular passage of Scripture with the white throne judgment found in the book of Revelation. The two are very different. 
You say, well, how so? Because we know that the white throne judgment is the judgment of unbelievers, not believers. And notice who is present here. You have believers and unbelievers. You follow? It's very important that, that when reading the scripture that you apply it correctly. And remember that the scripture is its own best commentary. That is, its own best study on how to interpret. Pardon. <coughs> so notice, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he returns in glorious majesty and divine splendor. Earlier in this same, this same period where he's, he's answering the questions of the disciples, he says, many will come in that day, and many have come throughout the ages saying that they're the Christ. He says, don't believe that. Because when the Christ returns, it will be unmistakable. That event will be unmistakable. He will come in majestic splendor, and he will outshine the sun, for he is the one who created it the sun. Remember that, that the Bible teaches that God spoke the world into existence. And in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, it tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then in verse 14, that same chapter, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father, all in the beginning of the creation. God spoke the world into existence. Jesus will outshine the sun in divine splendor when he comes. And notice, he's accompanied, and he... he he specifically identifies the angels. All the holy angels. You notice that? And all the holy angels with them. Because down further as you read, he talks about the devil and his angels. So he specifically identifies his holy angels. And the Bible teaches that we are to worship God and God alone. But the Bible also tells us in the book of Hebrews that God the Father commands the angels to worship the Son, and he even calls the Son God. Read that in Hebrews chapter 1. The angels accompany the Lord Jesus. Now notice it goes on. <clears throat> he says... Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. He sits upon his throne of kingship, authority, and glory. Because he is the king. He is the king of all creation. And make no mistake about it. When he establishes his government, he will rule. And the Bible says, says he will rule with a rod of iron. And he will dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, I didn't make that up. 
That's written in the scripture. He will not come as that little babe in Bethlehem. When he returns, he returns as the conquering king. Now, <clears throat> moving on here. There are those who like to use this passage of scripture to emphasize incorrectly, to emphasize over everything else that you ought to be taking care of the poor. Now, in interpreting this passage, there is the prophetic message and there is a practical message. Yes, God's people are supposed to be involved in ministry, but not just to the poor, but to all people. You follow? To all people. Now notice it says, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations will be gathered before him. The word used here in the Greek, ta ethne, refers to the Gentiles. The Gentile nations are being judged. You see, during the tribulation period, that seven-year period, and you can read of this in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, it's referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble. And it is the time that Jesus described of suffering such as never was since the beginning of time, no, nor shall ever be again. It is often referred to as the time of the Great Tribulation. And during this period of time, the focus changes from the church to Israel. And we've mentioned this over and over and over again. The church is the church, and Israel is Israel. The church does not replace Israel. Currently, the church is made up of both Gentiles and Jews. There are Jewish Christians. They, they like to, to refer to themselves as Messianic Jews. But during the, the tribulation period, hundreds of thousands of them are going to be converted they're going to come to know the Lord Jesus. They're going to recognize that he is, in fact, the Messiah that they are looking for. 144,000 evangelists, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, are going to be called by God. And they're going to, to preach the message of salvation found in Christ. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel making 144,000 of them. And we mentioned before, can you imagine 144,000 Apostle Pauls <laughs> all preaching the gospel? And even though the church is taken out prior to this time, people will still be coming to know the Lord as Savior during the tribulation period. Now here's the, here's the, really the, the scary part. <clears throat> the Holocaust was terrible. Horrendous. 
but the tribulation is going to be worse. Far worse. Some like to say that that that's going to be like a Sunday school picnic compared to what is going to happen during the tribulation period. And for a person to come to know the Lord as Savior during that period of time is almost certain death. It's also during that period of time where if a person doesn't take the mark of the beast, they will not be able to buy or to sell or to trade. It's during this period of time when when the nation of Israel is going to be betrayed, and there's so much more that's a part of, of this tribulation period. But there are going to be whole nations that become anti-Semitic. And they're going to work for the undermining and the destruction of the Jewish people. But Christians during this time, that is, people who come to know the Lord as their Savior during this period of time, they're going to recognize and understand that they are to love and to support and to minister to the Jewish people because we are one family in God. And God has not given up on Israel. There are those... In, in certain denominations, in certain theological positions, they say, well, God is through with Israel. That is not correct. That is erroneous. Notice he separates the people into two categories, but there are really three. Two categories, but there are really three, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He separates the people into two categories. Those on the right, sheep, were believers. Those who believe in him. Now, how can we say those who believe in him? Look at verse 37. Verse 37. Notice what he says. Then the righteous will answer him. Then the righteous will answer him. Every word in the scripture is important. To correctly interpret, you must look at every word. The Bible teaches... He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through or in him. We are not righteous of ourselves. And doing things does not make us righteous. A person becomes righteous when they accept Christ as their Savior and God the Holy Spirit comes into their life. We are robed in his righteousness. It is a righteousness that is imputed, that is given to us by God. You notice? So we know that these are saved people because he calls them the righteous. But now let's, let's look a little further. Notice what he says here in the verse 40. Because the righteous say, well, when did we see you poor? When did we see you naked? hungry. We don't, we don't recall any of that. Verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, now notice, my brethren. You hear that? Not to just anybody. My brethren. It's very important. 
He's identifying a very specific group of people. Now that term in the New Testament is often used when he speaks of his disciples, or in other words, those who believe in him. But the term is also used with respect to the house of Israel, or his family. They are his brethren. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is Jewish. He is Jewish. And the Jewish people are his brethren. And during the time of the tribulation, as we mentioned a moment ago, there will be nations who turn against Israel. Anti-Semitic, but there will also be nations or peoples. You see, because that word, ta'ethne, actually is being used in this passage both in a plural and in a singular fashion to refer both to nations and also to individual people. There will be those who will minister to the Jewish people, and then there will also be those who, like Hitler, will be attacking the Jewish people. And we already see, we see a rise in anti-Semitism and, and an anti-Christian spirit that is, that is beginning to permeate across our country and around the world. And sadly, so sadly, in our own, in our own government, there are those who serve in our government and their their desire and their goal is to undermine Israel. Notice, he goes on and he says, those on the left, the goats, unbelievers. They're unbelievers. You see, the believer has, has this about their lives, and this is the practical application of, of this passage. That when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God by His Spirit transforms our lives. And we realize that, that we're to be people who share the love of Christ with others. You see, because feeding someone means more than just giving them physical food. A Sunday school teacher teaching a Sunday school class is, is feeding those within the class spiritual food. I'm not trying to spiritualize this away, no. But both, both are important. Because if you only give somebody a piece of bread but they die and go to hell, what good have you done for them? Which of the two is mo most important? Which of the two is most important? To give them the bread of life, the word of God, or a meal that's delicious and tasty? Well, both are important, but one is ultimately important. I mentioned that to a person once. Boy, the person just, they got so irate. They thought I was the most terrible person, you know. I was not saying that we shouldn't help. No, we should help. But notice these goats on the left. Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire. Hmm. Unbelief, rejection of Jesus results in spiritual blindness and condemnation. There are no two ways about it. You know who preached on hell more than anyone else in the scripture? Jesus. 
People don't, don't like to hear that. But he was the one who preached more about hell than anyone else. Now, of course, he speaks through every page and every word in the scripture because it's his holy word. Notice, this passage teaches accountability is inescapable. Accountability is inescapable. We are going to all be held accountable. Secondly, justice will be served. You know these people that cry and cry for justice. They're going to get justice. They're going to receive justice and then they're going to wish that they hadn't asked for it. We've said this many times. I want mercy. I want to throw myself at the, at the feet of the Lord and cry and beg for mercy, not justice. You follow? Because the two are very different. And then it also teaches that there are different destinations in store for those on the right and those on the left. Very, very different. Moving on. Notice the future reward for the believer is identified. Notice how he refers to them. Blessed of my Father. They're favored. They're chosen. The blessing of God. The favor of God. We, together with our Jewish brothers and sisters, experience the favor, the blessing of God. All through the scripture he teaches that he's, he's given to us his word to teach us how we ought to live and to live a life in such a way that is pleasing to him and then that results in him rewarding us. Here he gives it to us and if we would accept it and then also become engaged in it, then he rewards us for doing so. How gracious and kind and good God is. And notice he says, inherit the kingdom. That's eternal shalom or peace. It's the peace of God. Everything that we need, God provides. And then he says, prepared from the foundation of the world. From the beginning of time. It's not something that, you know, one day with God sitting there in heaven thinking, well, you know, I need to do something special for that. <laughs> And so I think this is what I... No. It was prepared from the beginning of time. From the beginning of time. And all this time, God has this wonderful, wonderful kingdom that he's going to bless us with. Notice eternal life. And the Christians ought to say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As Billy Graham said, you know, you're going to read one day that I've died. He said, but don't you believe it? <laughs> he, said, he said, when that day comes, I'm more alive than I've ever been. Amen. Ah, but notice, the future of the unbeliever is also identified. Depart from me. Depart from me. If you were to place yourself in the 
in the, in the place of an unbeliever and hearing God say, depart from me, you cursed. You're, you're cursed. That is, you've chosen to make yourself a curse. And in other portions, the Bible says, the Lord says, I don't know you. We looked at that last week with the, with the wise and the unwise virgins. They came knocking at the door. Let us in, let us in, let us in. I don't know you. And even those who, they, they've said, Lord, Lord, we did this and we did this and we did this and we did this. Notice all this stuff that they did. I never knew you. But you notice the righteous here, they said, well, when did we, when did we do that? Into everlasting fire. And the word for everlasting fire, guess what it means? Everlasting. Forever. You see, because there are those who, who want you to believe, oh, when you die, that's it. Lights out, man. No more. You're not going to know. I go in my sleep, that'll be it. No more. Oh, no. Oh. And then notice what he says here. Prepare for the devil and his angels. You know that God did not create hell for people. Hell was not created for the human race, but for the devil and the host of heaven, the, the angels that chose to follow the devil, Satan. And the Bible teaches that one-third of the heavenly host fell to follow Satan. And the Bible even teaches that some of them are so evil and wicked that they're bound by, by chains in hell even now and not allowed freedom. Notice he says, into everlasting punishment. And guess what that word means there too? Forever. Everlasting. Stop and consider those people within your own families who are lost, who do not know the Lord as their Savior. If they die without accepting the Lord Jesus as their Savior, they will spend eternity in hell. Suffering. He goes on to say where there is weeping and the gnashing of teeth. It is a place of eternal torment. Yesterday was pretty hot. Today is supposed to be hot as well and even hotter. And guess what? The Bible teaches it's going to get hotter. Now this, this fire, this everlasting flame, it could be symbolic. We, we don't know, or it could be literal. We know that the, the Lord is able to, to cause a flame and hail to mingle without the hail melting. Because God is able to do anything he so desires to do. But consider the torment forever. And the torment of one's memory and emotion 
and the knowledge, the knowledge that they had the opportunity to give their life to God and they chose to reject it. They actually chose hell. That's what they chose for their eternal existence because everybody, everybody lives forever. Accepting the gift of salvation is without doubt the single most important decision a person will ever make in his or her life. It is the single most important decision. And we read earlier, and we're just about through, that Jesus said when all of this occurs, that it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And you remember what it was like in the days of Noah? They were having a good time. They were getting married and having kids and building their families and, you know, working on their careers, right? Setting up all their retirement funds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, making sure that they had everything in order, you know? And Noah was considered a crazy man because he was preaching about something that was coming. A flood, a flood. It hasn't even rained here. And crazy Noah building this boat out here in the desert. And for 120 years, the Bible teaches that Noah preached that message and they refused to believe. And all of a sudden, the day came. The day came. Well, the Lord will return one day. The church will be taken out of the world. The world will be submerged into this time of tribulation. A time of suffering and pain. But at the end of that seven year period, the nations of the world are going to come against Israel to defeat Israel. But it will be delivered by the Lord Jesus who returns with his holy angels at the end of that period. And these nations and individuals will be judged. You see, because during the millennial period, and we're almost through, during the millennial period, there will be people living in the millennial age who are still in their human bodies. But we as the church, as we come back together with the Lord, and you read that in the book of Revelation, will be given positions of responsibility to serve and to reign with the Lord all around the globe. Now perhaps one of the things that we may be doing, we may be teaching, because we know that for that thousand year period, it's going to be like heaven on earth. But at the end of that thousand year period, the final conflict occurs. And we'll talk about that another time. But what did we learn from this passage? The Lord Jesus Christ is returning. He will return. He will be accompanied by his holy angels. He is the king and will separate and judge the entire human race. He alone is king. Believers will be rewarded. Unbelievers will be condemned. There's no, no, no other way to put that, okay? 
Those who believe in the Lord are saved. Those who do not believe in the Lord are lost. Therefore, we as God's people need to be ministering, not just to poor people, but to everyone. And the question there, are you ready? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation is the Lord's invitation. You come as we sing, I am thine, O Lord. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.